God is a restorer. So whatever your blank is, believe. If you put yourself in his hands, he'll restore you. God's working. His goal is to conform you into the image of Jesus. And he's doing it if you trust him. If there's a delay, remember the clay. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. We really are clay in the potter's hands. When we feel pain in our lives, sometimes it's God stretching and restoring us. Today, David encourages us to surrender and trust in God's good plan for our lives in part two of his message, Restorer. Jeremiah 31, 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, once more they shall use these words in the land of Judah and in its cities when I, what? Restore their fortunes. Jeremiah 32, 44. When they return back to their homeland after the 70 years, God promises fields shall be bought for money and deeds shall be signed and sealed and witnessed in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem and in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the Shephelah and in the cities of the Negev. For I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 33, 11. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts for the Lord is... The Lord is... The Lord is good, my dear friends. Jesus called God Abba, Daddy. Daddies who really love the Lord are good daddies. The Lord is good for his steadfast love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord. Then the prophet Joel, again in his warnings, then says this, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. Job 42.10, everybody loves to study the crises and problems of Job. But it seems to me like too many students of the book of Job stop at the end of chapter 41. And we just love to relish in Job's pain. But nobody, or not nobody, few people really want to move into chapter 42 and listen to these words. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then Isaiah 61, 7, the prophet Isaiah prophesies, instead of shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion, they shall have everlasting joy. In Zechariah 9, 12, again, another prophet in the Old Testament says this, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Don't you want to be a prisoner of hope? A prisoner of hope. Today I declare, and you read the last part with me, that I will will restore you double. I'm going to make double your trouble because God said, I am a restorer of broken things, broken people. So you see, the whole promise of God to to restore us is not rooted in our brokenness. It's rooted in God's promises. I love the story of the man who had fell upon bad times and his dress was horrible and his beard was scruffy and he didn't have a job and had no hope and he was walking down the street one day and ran into another guy who was natally attired and obviously a man of great wealth and they looked at each other and soon realized they were former classmates 
And the man who was wealthy turned to his impoverished friend and said, what happened? And he said, I just ran through a series of bad times. My life's a mess. I have no hope. And the other man said, well, I'll tell you what, I want to give you another chance. So he reached into his checkbook, wrote a huge check, and said, here, go cash this at the bank, go buy some new clothes, get clean, and start looking for a new job, and I'll help you in any way that I can. They embraced. The impoverished man thanked him so much. Then he went to the bank to go cash the check and looked inside and saw all the people inside so perfectly attired, so clean in every way. He said, they'll never cash this check. They won't believe it's from me. So he walked away. The next day, he ran into his friend again, and his friend said, why didn't you cash the check? Why aren't you clean? And the other man said, you know, I went to the bank, and I looked inside, and I saw all those perfectly attired people, and I realized they wouldn't cash this check. And he said, my friend, don't you realize? The ability to cash that check is not based on how you look, but the ability to cash that check is based solely upon my signature. The ability to overcome your messes is not rooted in all of your mess. The ability to overcome the mess is rooted in the promises of God and his signature on your check. You can give God the glory for that. You know, I, I rather like it when you talk back to me, so that's okay. I just, you know, you sometimes wonder if you're making any sense up here. It's rooted on the signature of God on the check that Jesus cashed for us on the cross of Christ. So here comes the question, though, that so many people ask at this point. But, David, I've been waiting so long for that husband, that child, that job, whatever it might be. I've been waiting so long, and I understand. Well, first of all, you need to remember the Israelites were in the captivity for how long? How long? Seven zero years. So that means that when they got into the captivity, very few, if any, of them ever saw the land. But the promise is still held. So, So God's not on our timetable, folks. In fact, let me give you a phrase I want you to remember today. If there's a delay, remember the clay. Say it with me. If there's a delay, what? Oh, what does that mean? I'm so glad you asked. Jeremiah chapter 18. The word of the Lord, verse 1, came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If there's a delay... Remember the clay. Who's the clay? Folks, who's the clay? We are. And who's the potter? God is. Who created us? God did. Who has the right to do with us whatever he wants to do? God does. So God has us 
in his hands as a potter does the clay. And he has every right in his timing for however long he wants to keep us in a delay to start stretching us and pushing us in ways he wants to do. And then he puts us in his place on his tablet and he continues to move us in his ways. Sometimes we say, ouch. Sometimes we say, I don't like it one bit. And God always reminds us, I am the potter, you are the clay, and I can do with you whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it. And he keeps stretching us in all different kinds of ways. And in the stretching, he reminds us that his purpose for our lives in accordance with Romans 8, 29, is not to make us healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. He might give that to you, but that's not his goal. That's a temporary perspective. His goal is eternity. He wants to mold us through the cross to be conformed to the image of Christ. He wants to teach us how to serve and not be served. He wants to teach us how to be givers, not getters. He wants us to be like Jesus. That's his goal. So if you're serious about following Jesus, and you really did mean it when you sang, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, then he takes his cross and he starts imposing it on the clay and he presses into us. And he really presses into us. As God presses into the clay, he begins to conform us into the image of Christ. And he takes that part of us over here and he goes, oh, that's your stinking thinking. I don't like that one bit. And I want it gone. He takes it away. And all your complaining about the ways you don't like me overseeing your life, we're getting rid of that. Because if you complain, you remain in the mess, and I want it gone, because I'm about making an eternal creature. So let's get rid of that. And all of your unbelief, where you doubt my promises, and don't believe I'm real, I want that gone because nobody in heaven's gonna be a person of unbelief. And all your willful disobedience those places where you want to live life on your terms and rebel against your parents and against authority and against me, God says, eh, we can get rid of that too. For the purpose of conforming us to the image of his son. Long before the resurrection ever occurred, the cross had to happen. And Jesus' goal in our lives, folks, is not to be an errand boy to meet all our needs. His job is to conform us to his image so that we will look and live like him. So if there's a delay, remember the clay. God's working. 
And most often he works in the parenthesis of the captivity <laughs> when we say, have your way, Lord. Do with me whatever you want. Now, that's not to say he's not concerned about your present circumstances. That he won't give you the desires of your heart. You just have to trust him to do it in his way and his time. If there's a delay, remember the clay. God is the potter, you're the clay. And he has the right to do with all of us whatever he wants to do. Final thoughts. God's in the restoration business. <laughs> That's what he wants to do. He wants to take all of our messes and restore them to the grandeur he intended with Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 and 2. How does he do it? Well, first of all, through grace. That magnificent, unique word of the Christian faith, grace. The unconditional love of the Father in heaven. While we were lost, while we were a mess, while we were sinners, Christ died on the cross to restore us to what God intended us to be. And he does it by his love. If I could get every single one of you just for one minute to realize the fathomless love of the Father in heaven, your life would be forever changed. The proof is the cross. God would go to that extent to redeem us and restore us. That's the proof. God loves you so much. I love the story of the minister who went to a father who had 13 children. Can you imagine having 13 children? <laughs> and he went to him and said, you know, I'm just curious. Which one of your kids do you love the most? And the father went, well, let me see. There's, there's Jane who, who really wants a husband so badly and has been waiting years and she doesn't have one and she's hurting so badly. I, I guess I love her the most. He said, well, wait a minute. But then there's Jack who, who started drinking a while back and didn't realize that that exploded some kind of genetic predisposition and now he's addicted to alcohol and he's really in some tough straits. I guess I love him the most. But then there's John who just lost his job and he has to support a family of three and he's really hurting right now and worrying and I guess I love John the most. But, but then there's Gladys and, you know, she just lost a baby boy in childbirth. And, you know, I think I love her the most. And he went on for a couple more like this. And finally the minister realized the child the daddy loved the most was the child that needed the daddy the most. The persons the father loves the most in this room right now are the persons who need the father the most. So whatever's in your blank, would you know today, God is for you. He's on your side. He loves you. He passionately pursued you and died on a cross to prove it. First thing is understand grace. Second thing, then repent. Repentance. Folks, some preachers go, repent and then receive God's love. No. No, receive God's love, then you'll want to repent. If you know how much the daddy loves you, you can put your clay into his hands. And you can say, take your chisel, 
your nails, your sander, and whatever you need, but restore me. And you can trust he's doing it. And repentance comes in response to the enormous grace of the daddy in heaven. And then finally, after that comes restoration. And it's beautiful. One final thought. Acts, the third chapter, verse 21. These words about Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Jesus, who died on the cross, was raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, now sits at the hand, the right hand of God the Father. One day, folks, he's coming back. Have I told you that before? One day, he's coming back. Would you give God the glory for that? He's coming back. And let me tell you something right now, that when he comes back, his purpose is to restore all things. His purpose is to make this world like it was in Genesis 1 and 2. His job is to take our broken bodies and give them resurrection bodies that will never hurt or ever be diseased again. He will come and make this creation what it was intended to be. He will make our relationships what they were intended to be. He will restore not a few things, not some things, not many things, not most things. He will restore what? All things, because God is a restorer. Do you believe that today? God is a restorer. And so whatever your blank is, believe. If you put yourself in his hands, he'll restore you. And if there's a delay, what? Remember the clay. God's working. And his goal is not to make you healthy, prosperous. His goal is to conform you into the image of Jesus. And he's doing it if you trust him. One final verse. I'm going to ask you to read this one with me. Jeremiah 32, 17. A great verse from Jeremiah in chapters 30 through 33, all these chapters about hope. Read it with me. Ah, Lord, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Read it one more time. Nothing is too hard for you. Do you believe that today? Nothing is too hard for you, O oh Lord. Listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a discussion about his latest Davidism. We'll be right back. What does the Bible tell us about the end times? The Bible is a book about soteriology, your salvation, redemption, and eternal life. David Chadwick has made an informative video called The End Time Prophecies. From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, God's Word is revealing facts about the times we live in, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would love to give this video to you as a resource to equip you to help you understand the history and prophecies of the second coming found in the Old Testament. In this video, David covers the validity of Scripture, Jesus' first coming, and how we can have faith in His second coming. This video is a compelling account of the foundation of the Christian faith.
To receive your free copy of this video, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener for your free copy of this informative, educational video from David Chadwick. End Time Prophecies from David Chadwick. Get yours for free today. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Hi, Jen. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I think I'm fine. Thank you. Look forward to sharing this Davidism with people today. Yeah, I'm very excited to join you in this conversation today. This particular Davidism you call Trust God, but keep the gunpowder dry. (laughs) What in the world do you mean by this? Well, it's an interesting phrase borrowed from the Revolutionary War. It was often said there by our folks who led our revolution against England, a way of trusting God, but also taking human responsibility very seriously. Mm. Let me unpack it a bit more. This Revolutionary War slogan that still holds true today, trust God, but keep the gunpowder dry, is so important for us to realize. I recently heard this same idea expressed another way, trust God, but at night, keep your doors locked. Yeah, of course, yes. (laughs) Well, think about it. God is indeed all-powerful but he expects us to do our part as well. We are to trust God in all things, in everything, and turn to him in prayer. But we have a role to play as well. We don't just sleep all day long. We have human responsibility as a part of our lives. So everyone consider the story of Nehemiah and his men as they rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. Nehemiah was a great man of religious devotion, prayer, and faith. He sought the Lord's protection in every way. But Nehemiah also understood that he, too, had a role to play. Nehemiah 4.9 says, And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. We need to do this as well. Trust in God, but also do our part, just as Nehemiah and his men did. Wet gunpowder won't let us fire our weapons when the enemy approaches and attacks. Mm. Unlocked doors at night won't prevent the thief from entering our homes. There's always a need for balance in life, Jen. Mm -hmm. All you listeners, understand there's a beautiful balance that God wants all of us to try to achieve. Mm -hmm. And here is one specific good way from the Revolutionary War, a slogan that many people said over and over again, trust God, but keep the gunpowder dry. That's so good. And what I think about is if you go too far in one direction, then what's the point of praying? Right, exactly. And if you just pray and pray and pray and never do anything, um, God can't operate through you the way he wants to operate through you. Mm-hmm. You know, the old joke where there is a flood and the person's on top of the roof of a house and keeps crying out to God to deliver them. Three different boats pass by and offer them, uh, this person, the opportunity to get into the boat and he refuses. Yes. And then he gets to heaven after he's he said, why didn't you answer my prayers? And God said, I sent you three boats. (laughs) Right. I know. Sometimes the answer is right in front of our face and we get to participate. I love that word, participate with what God is doing in the earth today. Yeah. And there's some balance there that we've got to find in our lives. We 
trust God every day to give us this day our daily bread, but yeah. we've still got to go to work. That's right. We, we still have to earn our income, and then in that balance, we're supposed to live life faithfully. Mm-hmm. So this is another example of that, a, a wonderful Davidism that I really believe in, uh, the whole idea of uh, you're trusting God but keeping the gunpowder dry. Yeah, it's so good. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be with you, Jen, and I appreciate it so much. And listeners, if you would like to receive a daily moment of hope from me, go to Moments of Hope hopechurch.org. Subscribe there. You'll get the written form of these Davidisms in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m., a gift from me to you to give you hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to check out David's weekly HopeCast. It's free and available through our website. Also, be sure to check out David's End Times Prophecy video. It's free for our listeners. Just go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking that you reach out to a lonely neighbor today.